the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Since the year 1496 B.C., there has been only 233 years of peace. Man is a warrior. Man is a, a battler with his, with his fellow man. You have nation that will rise up against nation and all throughout history, husbands versus their wives and, and fights and arguments. You have brothers and sisters and sibling rivalry that, that goes on. There's church splits. I mean, people are warriors in their nature. Now, men have been fighting with each other for a long time, but men have been fighting with God for an even longer time. That's right. From the beginning, mankind has been on the outs with God. But already in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, God introduced his plan to reconcile the world to himself. That's the message of the whole Bible. God's master plan to reconcile lost sinners to himself. This is Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're in a series of messages on key Bible doctrine words, words that explain to us what the gospel is all about. In today's study, Pastor Steve will take up the word reconciliation. We'll look at the basic meaning of the word and then go into how the death of Christ on the cross opened the door for us to be reconciled to God. Here's Pastor Steve. A number of years ago, the Beatles, remember them? The Beatles recorded a song called Give Peace a Chance. They said, all that we're saying is give peace a chance. But giving peace a chance is something that mankind hasn't done. It's really quite easy to sing about it. It's another thing to put it into reality. Since the year 1496 B.C., there has been only 233 years of peace. So anyone can get up and say, all that we're saying is give peace a chance. But for all that time, 233 years of peace. Man is a fighter. Man is a warrior. Man is a, a battler with his, with his fellow man. Uh, you have nation that will rise up against nation, and not only in the tribulation period, but all throughout history, husbands versus their wives and, and fights and arguments. You have brothers and sisters and sibling rivalry that, that goes on. Uh, seems all the time there are racial wars, there's fights among schoolmates, there's church splits. I mean, people are warriors at, at na- in their nature. Now, men have been fighting with each other for a long time, but men have been fighting with God for an even longer time. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them to live in perfect peace and in harmony and in fellowship with him. He placed man in the garden, and apparently it was very natural and normal for the Lord to commune with man. How exactly he he did that, I don't know, because God is spirit. But he communes with him. In Genesis chapter 3, it speaks of the fall of man. Adam, first Eve, and then Adam 
disobeyed God and they ate of the fruit that they were not to, to eat of and the race fell, mankind fell. There's only one race, by the way, it's called the human race. And man fell. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says, And they heard the sounds of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, apparently this was the norm. Apparently this was something that was very natural and was a daily occurrence. I mean, talk about having a quiet time, a meaningful quiet time. They had it. And we don't know how long Adam and Eve were in an unfallen condition. And so this may have gone on for some time. But they heard the sounds of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, apparently the morning. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Why? Because man was hiding. Adam was hiding. When Adam sinned, he and all his descendants instantly became warriors against God instantly, instead of being in harmony with God, they were now at war with him. The war began when Adam rebelled against God. Adam ran from God. And even though he didn't take a bow and arrow and shoot at God, the war had started. From this point on, the history of mankind has been war and rebellion against God. He hid from God's presence. He was separated from God. The war had begun. And we see that, that, that man's nature now becomes a warrior against God. In Genesis chapter 4, we read about the offspring of Adam and Eve and Cain who slew his brother Abel. In rebellion towards God, he killed his brother. And then Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, not only was it in a, in a brotherly sense, but Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 says this, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. God saw that men were at war with him continually. That's just another way of saying, uh, when it says evil thoughts, just continually warfare against God. Even though men may not be conscious of that, that's exactly what it is. And then you have in Genesis chapter 11, the building of the Tower of Babel, where, where the peoples of the world said, we will make a name for ourselves and we will not, not replenish the earth and multiply and spread out over the earth. And then God confused their language and now you have many different languages as, as nations spring up and, and separate from each other. And, and nations fight nations and people fight people but all it all stems from fighting God man's a warrior so from this point on even though man branched out to war against his fellow man his, his greatest need was to be at peace with God that's always been the, the greatest need that mankind has to be at peace with God and that brings us to one of the most important theological words and concepts found in the, the scriptures and that is the word reconciliation Let's look at the three aspects of reconciliation. First of all, what is the meaning of reconciliation? What does the Bible mean by this impressive-sounding word, reconciliation? The Greek word basically means to change. To change. And in a very practical way, it means to bring together that which was at war, or to make peace. To make peace. That's a, that's a good way of remembering it. It's not that hard to understand. To make peace. To bring together two parties that uh, were at war and had conflicts with each other. There are times in my ministry where I have to bring families together or individuals together who are having a little war of their own. And they're having a disagreement. And I have had the, uh, I can't call it a pleasure, 
but I have had the experience of having to bring these couples or people together and to, to discuss and, and get out in the open what is the problem. And my prayer and my goal is always the same, reconciliation. Reconciliation. These people are no longer in fellowship with one another. And my responsibility and, and goal and desire is to bring them together, reconcile them so they will now be in fellowship with each other once again. Once again to establish peace. That, that's what reconciliation is, though it's on a divine and human level when we're talking about the reconciliation concerning the work of Christ. Now the Bible teaches that sinners are at war with God. We are, we are at war. We are fighting God. We are born into this world in rebellion towards God, and we are at war with Him. You don't become a warrior when you get older. You become a warrior the instant you are conceived, and uh, you just become a little more sophisticated in, in the war. But people are born into this world at enmity with God. Another man, in other words, man is hostile towards God. Let's look at some scriptures. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short, that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you so that he does not hear. Man and God are separated. God said this to Israel, but the truth applies to, to all sinners. Separated from God. Separated. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, for, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God and so forth. But while we were enemies, before you knew Christ, you were an enemy of God. You're an enemy. There's no peace. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. An unsafe person is hostile towards God. His mind is at war with God. And according to this verse, that he's not even able to be anything but hostile towards God. There's an enmity there. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Verse 21, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. But notice the contrast between verse 21 and 22. Formerly you were alienated from who? From God. And hostile towards who? God. And you were engaged in evil deeds against who? Against God. But now he says... On the other hand, now, because of reconciliation, God's brought you together. You're now holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And he means in his sight. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If you go the way of the world, if, you, if that's your habitual lifestyle, the way of the world, you are an enemy of God. Friendship with the, with the world means enmity with God. Therefore, man, because he is a sinner, and because he's a sinner, he is not at peace with God, he's at war with God, he needs to be reconciled to God. He needs to be brought together. He has a need to be brought back into fellowship. Now, I want you to understand something. God, sometimes we hear the term, and there's, I think, a famous hymn that says, God is reconciled. 
Actually, that's, that's not really the case. Uh, God doesn't need to be reconciled to man. Man needs to be reconciled to God. God doesn't need to be reconciled to man. Remember, it was God did not run away from Adam. It was Adam who declared war on God and ran from God. God doesn't need to be reconciled to man. When man sinned and ran from God, God had no choice but to turn his back upon mankind because there was no basis for him to receive us. His face was, as it, as it were, was turned away from us since he could not fellowship with sinners. The Bible says he cannot even look upon iniquity with favor. He is holy and we are rebellious sinners. And so, in a sense, what happened is this. When man sinned, this is God face to face with man in fellowship, and when man sins, he turned his back on God. And then God went after him, but then God also had to turn his back on man. And they were like this. They were like this until the cross of Christ. The meaning of reconciliation is to make peace. What's the basis for reconciliation? Because you have man going like this, and God is turned away from man, and now something brings us together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Very famous verse, verse 17, Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now he says we're, we've been transformed. And because we're transformed, something has happened. Something has happened to us. And, and he explains it in verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, and he's explaining what, what is the ministry and what's taken place, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. When Jesus Christ died, God was reconciling the world to himself. Christ's death gave God the basis for receiving, now, sinners to himself. In the death of Christ, God removed the barrier. The barrier was sin. That's what separated us. That kept us... Sin was what kept us from, from having peace with God. And now his back is no longer turned. At the cross of Christ, you have man going this way just before the cross. God's back is turned. But now that Jesus has died for us, it's as if, and of course this is just a very human analogy and illustration, it's as if God now turns towards man and with open arms says, I've made the provision for you to come home. I've made the opportunity and I've provided a way whereby we can be reconciled. God's wrath was, was appeased in the death of Jesus Christ. And God now can receive sinners, people who were at war with him. And he says, in essence, uh, potentially the war is over if you'll just come and submit to me. If you'll surrender. It's, it's like any old war, really. Here are the conditions for surrender. You surrender, we can have peace. God doesn't surrender to man. God didn't start the war. God is perfect. God has nothing to surrender. Man has to surrender to God. So he reconciles us as, as new creatures. He changes us from people who hated God to people who love God. Verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old creature would never make peace with God. The new creature has been transformed as at peace with God. 
Now it's important to understand that while God has reconciled the world, notice verse 19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We need to understand that while God has reconciled the world to himself, this doesn't mean that every person has experienced reconciliation. That's just not the case. Those who would speak of universal salvation would, would say that. They would say that everybody then is going to be saved. That's not, that's not the case. The Bible teaches a literal hell. The Bible teaches that, that if someone does not uh, come to know Christ, they will spend eternity in, in utter torment. But the death of Christ, by the death of Christ, the world is reconciled in the sense that it is now savable. It is now savable doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. It just means that they are potentially now savable. In other words, reconciliation has been provided because God is now facing them with outstretched arms, inviting them to himself. He now says, come to me because the basis for reconciliation has been provided. But mankind still has their backs to him. The majority of, of people still have their backs to him. Now he's facing them, but they're still going like that. But the moment a person responds, the moment they turn, and that's repentance, and they surrender, and that's part of faith, and that's a very integral part of faith is surrender. The moment a person responds to that invitation with our outstretched arms, God says, now, now come to me. I've provided a way of salvation. The moment that happens and a person trusts Christ's death for salvation, he experiences reconciliation. Before it was just potential. Now he experiences it, and according to Romans 5.1, it says, being justified by grace, we have what? Peace with God. We have peace with God. The reason you and I can enjoy fellowship with Jesus Christ, I mean deep, wonderful, personal, precious fellowship, with Christ is because the Lord has removed the barrier of sin. He's done it all. He's done it all. God did something about our sin and brought us back into fellowship with Him. Are you enjoying communion with Him? Tonight we're going to celebrate communion. And uh, I wonder if that means anything to you. We talk of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, we speak of communion, but what, what does it really mean to commune with Him? Are you enjoying that? Jesus Christ has reconciled you to God so that you might have deep and intimate fellowship with him. Are you enjoying the Lord? I ask myself that uh, many times. Am I really enjoying the Lord? I don't mean am I going to church. I don't mean am I serving him. I don't mean am I, do, am I doing the things that the Bible says to do. Am I even obeying him? I mean, am I enjoying him? The, the Westminster Confession of Faith said that the chief end of man was to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. In heaven, we're going to enjoy him forever, and we need to start now. Are you really enjoying him? I mean, can you be in his presence and just say, Lord, you're so wonderful. It's so great to be in your presence and just enjoy you and fellowship and, and meditate on the word. That's what reconciliation is all about. Not that you can just say, now, yeah, I'm a Christian, but that you can enjoy him in that fellowship because you could never have that apart from, from reconciliation, the death of Christ. So what is the meaning of reconciliation? It's to make peace. What's the basis for reconciliation? The death of Christ. The barriers are removed. God's wrath is, is appeased and propitiated in the death of Christ. He's satisfied with that death. What's the responsibility of the reconciled? Now that you know about reconciliation and now that you understand that you are those who have been reconciled, is there a responsibility? Yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us 
to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them. And once again, that's only potential. And if they don't come to Christ, the trespasses are counted against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. He's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. And he says, as though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. People in this world can be saved. And God has committed the ministry of reconciliation not to angels. He's not even just committed it to pastors. He's committed it to all of us. If you're reconciled to God, if you have peace with, with Him through Christ, then you are an ambassador to beg others and plead with others to be reconciled to Christ, to come to Him. Because the provision has been made, the sin has been paid for, and God's righteous and holy demands have been met in Christ's death, and we are to tell others that they need to be reconciled. We are his ambassadors. We represent him in a world that is at war with him. And we're to go to the warriors and we're to say, you need to put down your arms. You need to stop fighting God. You need to surrender to him. And it's our responsibility to tell them that God wants peace with them. He doesn't want the war to continue. He's done everything to make peace. And they need to respond to that. It's interesting that we are called ambassadors for Christ. In Rome, there were two kinds of provinces that they had. One was a senatorial province, and the other was an imperial province. The senatorial province provinces were peaceful. They really had no, no trouble there, but the imperial provinces had trouble. And... Uh, the emperor, the Roman emperor, would send troops to the, those imperial provinces, and also he would always send an ambassador to them. By being his ambassadors, the Apostle Paul, using the Roman background, is saying, is saying this, the world is still at war with God. Just like the emperor would only send an ambassador to a troubled spot. So we are his ambassadors, and we've been sent to a troubled spot, this world. This world is still at war with God, and we're called to tell them it's just not necessary. God is facing them. God is facing them. And with outstretched arms, he tells them to come to him. Only they can't hear him say that, so we're his ambassadors. We're in the place of Christ, and we're the ones saying that he's got an outstretched hand to you, asking you to come and embrace him. The reason we can commune with Christ tonight and celebrate the Lord's Supper is because Jesus died for us. We're reconciled. Do you enjoy his fellowship? Sin will block that fellowship. Sin will block it in, a, in the sense of a believer wanting to be in fellowship with the Lord. And you need to confess your sins. You need to deal with those things that, that get in the way. Attitudes, perhaps relationships with people, wrong responses, pride, lack of dependence on the Lord, lack of diligence, those things. Just enjoy Him. Enjoy Him tonight. Enjoy Him this week. Start enjoying Him because we're going to be enjoying Him forever. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we are grateful that we can commune with you. 
tonight, Lord, right, right now as we move into the Lord's Supper. How grateful we are that Jesus has paid it all. How grateful we are that we can be intimate with you. That's the purpose of the reconciliation that God offers to everyone who believes, the ability to enjoy God's presence, both in our present life and throughout all of eternity. Verse by Verse is a daily radio program with lessons taken from messages given at Lakeside Community Chapel. If you would like to have a recording of the entire message from which this program was extracted, you can get it on CD or audio cassette. Just call us at 727-239-0306 and we'll be happy to send it out to you. You can also hear today's lesson again or explore the many other subjects on file at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. They're available for free download. If God leads you to support the ministry of Verse by Verse, click on the box Support Us to find out how you can help keep this program on the air. If you're in the area and you would like to worship at Lakeside Community Chapel and hear more of Pastor Steve Kreloff's preaching, look up service times and other events on our website, lakesidechapel.com, or call the church office at 727-441-1714 for more information. That's www.lakesidechapel.com or phone 727-441-1714. We hope you can join us next time when Pastor Steve Kreloff completes this series of studies of key Bible doctrine words with the final word, adoption. I'm Jerry Pruden, inviting you to join us next time for Verse by Verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.